Okay, so our passage this morning, we're going to be um, in Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can find that on page 576 of the Bibles that are in the seatbacks in front of you, um, if you would like to follow along. Before we jump into that passage, though, I'm going to actually need a little bit more engagement from you guys this morning. I'm going to need you to participate with me a little bit. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. I need you to, to you know, respond a little bit. So what I want to, what I want to know, um, I want you to raise your hand if you have watched a movie. Just like in your lifetime, if you've seen a movie, like raise your hand. Okay, and keep it up. Don't put it down. Keep it up. Keep it up. Okay, we got almost everybody has seen a movie. Good. Keep them up, though. All right, question number two. I want you to keep your hands up if you have a cell phone with you this morning. Put them down if you don't, but if you have a cell phone with you this morning and you've watched a movie, keep them up. Okay, great, most of you. All right, so we're gonna do a little poll. You can put your hands down. We're gonna do a little poll here that's gonna require you to talk about movies and use your cell phone. And I know that all of you have seen movies and that most of you also have a cell phone, so the only excuse you have to not participate is laziness. Yeah, right, okay. So go ahead, what we're gonna do here um, is the question is, is what is your favorite movie genre? I wanna kinda take a poll. This is actually gonna be really useful for us towards the end of our message this morning, but I wanna know what your favorite movie genre is. So to participate and to do this, you're gonna start, you're gonna text the word question to 330-644-6121. And when you text that word question to that number, you're going to get a response with four different options for your favorite movie genre. You're going to have A, action and adventure. You're going to have B, uh, drama. C, romantic and comedies. And you're going to have D, horror and thriller movies. Okay? And you're going to respond with your favorite movie genre, either A, B, C, or D. Just that letter. You don't have to write out the whole thing. Just the letter that corresponds with your favorite movie genre, and hopefully y'all are all participating and helping me out, because we're really gonna come back to this here in a little bit, and I'm excited to see what happens. So, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna read um, Isaiah 12, one through six, as you continue to respond. It says this, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has has done gloriously. Let this be made known to all the earth. Shout and sing joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for, in, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is a wonderful passage, and I really, really love it. And I think it fits actually really well with our mission statement here. And, and this statement that I have next to me, this is what our leadership and the elders here of our church, through a lot of prayer and through a lot of, of looking at Scripture for a long time, have put forth as the mission of our church. Like, this is the focus of our church. As a church, we want to make uh, people know Christ. We want to help them know Christ. We want them to experience his life-changing power. And we want people to make him known to the world, right? And I think what's cool is that in this passage in Isaiah, and here in our mission statement, there's actually a cycle of spiritual growth. 
a cycle of spiritual growth that we're going to see and that we're going to play out and that's going to be really important for us as we seek to follow Christ and know him more. And it all begins in verse 1. Okay, in verse 1 it says, you will say in that day, and I want to pause right there because it says in that day. And so what, what day is Isaiah speaking of? What day is he talking about? And Pastor Mike, he says all the time that context is key. It's one of his catchphrases, and it very much is true. And what we're going to have to do is if we look back, we're not going to go there for sake of time, but if you go back to chapter 10, you begin to hear about how Israel has been disobedient to God in this period. It's a big surprise. They were disobedient a lot, um, as are all of us. But uh, what was going on was they were looking for hope, and they were trusting in things that weren't God. And Isaiah was kind of constantly going, no, like, don't find your hope there. Like, you're doing the wrong thing. Like, trust in God. Uh, don't be disobedient, or you're going to suffer, and you're going to go through exile, and you're going to be dispersed, and these things are going to happen. And of course, Israel continues down that path. The king continues to be evil and trust in other nations and so forth. Um, but as we go to and transition to chapter 11, begins to get into some prophecy, and Isaiah prophesies and thinks of this day in which Israel will be restored to the place where it was right with God, return to Jerusalem, and be a nation that worshipped and believed and trusted in God again. And that is the day that we are coming into here in chapter 12. It's this hymn, this song of praise about this prophesied day that will eventually come for the nation of Israel. And this is really the same place that all of us today start in our relationship with God. It starts with this return to him, this return to God. We know that we've all been broken by sin. We've all been separated from God because of the sin that exists in our hearts. Now we cannot be in right relationship with him. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, because God sent his son to die for us and then raise again and take the punishment that we deserved, that we can come back and we can be restored to this right relationship with God. And we can be in a good, comforting relationship with him where the anger that was meant for us was taken out upon Christ. And we get to have the joy of this relationship. And that's where this really begins. We all need to return to him. And I want you to know, if you're here today and you have not done that, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, he's extending you that offer. And there's nothing that you can do, no sin, nothing from your past, no wrongdoing that can interfere with the offer of grace and forgiveness and love that God is offering you this morning. All you have to do is accept it. So I challenge you, if that's where you're at this morning, to accept it. Secondly, once we're restored to this right relationship with God, there is blessing and there is life change. This comes in, in verses 2 and 3 here in Isaiah 12. It says, Behold, the Lord is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You'll draw water from the wells of salvation. I think there's this beautiful analogy here uh, in that picture of a well of salvation. To understand this, we have to know that water is a vital and valuable resource, which I think intellectually we all understand, right? Like intellectually we all know, okay, water's important, I have to have it to survive. But 
we don't understand it in the same way that they do because we have you know, a tap that you can flip on and we can get water and we have clean access. And that's not necessarily true in other parts of the world, but I guarantee you it wasn't true here in the Old Testament times when Isaiah was writing this hymn. Okay, water was rare. It's the Middle East, right? There, the difficulty can be had when trying to get fresh, clean water. And if you have the resource of a well that you can consistently return to to draw water from, that is life giving. And that's the picture that Isaiah is painting for us of salvation, and it tells us something beautiful. Right? We realize that when we are saved, our souls are redeemed and we're made right with Christ, but that salvation doesn't stop there. That at that point, when we restore our relationship with Christ, he begins to sanctify us and transform us, and he begins to bless us and shape us into his image. And he doesn't just redeem our souls, but he begins to redeem our past. Right? He begins to redeem the brokenness. There are so many times in my life, situations from before I was really following God, that now are used for his glory and his goodness. Things that I've experienced in my life, brokenness that I've dealt with, that now as I work with our students and I work with people and they come to me, they say, I'm dealing with this brokenness. How, how do you, what do you do? How does God free you from this? And I can say, I can tell you because God's redeemed that same brokenness in my life, because it's not just salvation, it's a well of salvation that I keep coming back to. And he also redeems my circumstances so that when I'm going through trials and tribulations, I can look to him and I can say, it's for your glory. And in this, I will rejoice, not in the struggle, but in the fact that you will redeem the struggle for your glory, because it's a well of salvation. What I want you to know is that coming into a life-restoring relationship with God always results in blessing and life change. You might be sitting here this morning and there might be difficult circumstances in your life. You might be sitting here and you might be going through medical problems, right? Just all these different trials, these things that we face in life that are struggles and that they continue. God doesn't promise that all of a sudden when we accept him that, that the issues in life will just disappear and that it'll be easy. Some people will tell you that it's not true, it's not promised. But what God does promise is spiritual blessing that far outweighs any physical blessing we could ever receive. And so that even when we are in the midst of trials of life, we can look to God and we can say, look how far he has brought me. And finally, as we experience this life change results in glorifying God. We're going to dive into uh, verses four through six in a minute and really take a look at this and spend some significant time here. Um, but before we do that, I want to kind of close out our cycle. Because we want, when we come to know Christ and are restored to right relationship with him, and when we begin to experience life change and then begin to glorify him and praise his name and make him known, it actually circles back. It actually begins again. And I think this is something we often don't realize. See, when we begin to make God known, when we begin to serve him, when we begin to put into practice the things that he is telling us to do, through that, we get to know him more. And our relationship with him is deepened. And the more that we know Christ, the more we experience life change. The more our hearts are transformed into his image. 
And every time we experience his grace and his glory and his goodness in a new way, we have more to share and more to tell people, look what God has done and make him known in the lives of others. And the cycle begins again. And it actually functions more as a funnel so that every time we go around and around, knowing him, experiencing his power and making him known, we get deeper and deeper in our relationship with Christ. And this is so important. I don't want us to miss the fact that we need to holistically pursue God. Because sometimes we get caught up in like specific things that we like or enjoy or that we're good at or that we value. But I want to tell you this morning, if, if all you ever do is, all you ever do is spend time studying theology, just diving into scripture and saying, I want to understand everything about God. I want to know him. I want to know him. But you never go and live that. You're missing something. Or if all you do is focus on looking like Christ, and all you do is say, I want to go to church every Sunday. I want to be a part of these Bible studies. I want to serve. I want to look like Christ. I got to have this perfect image of what it looks like to be a Christian. You're missing something. And it becomes legalistic and stale. Or if all you do is, all you do is ever serve, and you're just constantly pouring out, and you want to be, I want to look like God. I'm going to serve here. I'm going to do this. But you never come back to the well of his grace and forgiveness and love to be recharged and to know him more. You will die out, and all your serving will be worthless. You can't ignore any aspect of spiritual growth. We need all of these things to know him, experience his life-changing power, and make him known. They work together. One of the most tangible ways that I've seen this personally uh, is through the missions trips that I get to lead as our student ministries pastor here. Whether that's uh, locally at our Love Your Neighbor trip or whether that's going internationally to Costa Rica, this is so tangibly there in front of me every time I do this. Take Amanda, for example. Here's someone, we showed you her baptism video just a couple weeks ago. I hope that you were here for that. But here's someone who in life like struggled with so much. She overcame abuse, struggled with addiction, just a, a past that you could never imagine being restored. But one day she encountered God. One day she came to knew him. And, and it was funny because she signed up very early on in her faith to go to Costa Rica with us. And she would tell me all the time, she was like, man, I don't really know what I'm doing. She's like, I don't, what is, I don't really know what it looks like to be a Christian. Like, I'm still all figuring this out. But all I know is that I'm called to go and to tell other people about God. And boy, it was amazing to watch her on the Costa Rica trip, to see her faith, to know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. All I know is I'm supposed to follow God and he's calling me to go to Costa Rica. And then in the midst of that trip, to see her make God known every day and to see that cycle fill out and to see it just bubble over in her life. Every single day we would come to these team gatherings and she was just like bursting to tell us about what God was doing in her heart. And it just began to overflow from her. The making Christ known was just natural because it overflowed out of what was happening in her heart. And it was beautiful. And I've seen this time and time again, and now to encourage you and to hopefully show you a little bit more of what this cycle looks like, I want to uh, show you just a little video from some of the other people on our team from this past year in Costa Rica. And just hear short snippets of the story of what God did in their hearts. And they're desperate to make him known, so I hope it encourages you and I hope it shows you this cycle. 
I've seen God work through the Boys and Girls Club, mainly through um, my amazing leaders, because they've just been able to incorporate God in everything that we've been able to do. And um, I've just, throughout the two weeks, I've seen the kids change and just how they, how they react to certain situations. We got to play freeze tag, but with a little twist. Whatever, however you got frozen, you had to stay at that exact position and someone else had to come and repeat that exact position standing next to you to allow you to be unfrozen. The reason that you have to come and do the exact same motion of how you're frozen with the next person is showing us that God is the one who's actually replacing us and making us born again and allowing us to live a new life after we've accepted him. And um, it was really cool to see the kids actually grasp that and understand the concept of that while playing a game as opposed to just sitting down and maybe uh, going over a lesson on a piece of paper. Um, God has brought me, my brother, and my mom and I closer because I can just tell that their hearts have changed. Um, my mom got baptized and I saw that she finally accepted God into her life. We were at the Women's Health and Fitness site. One of the women who regularly comes to that, um, to that class had experienced some severe domestic violence issues. Um, that kind of hit me pretty hard, realizing like this is like why we're here, like we're here to help people, we're here to show people that there is hope even though um, things like that do happen. And God was just there providing peace and comfort in that moment um, for all of those women and you could really feel it in the room. I feel like we're, we're all the same, it's just the language barrier is the only difference. Like they all want to learn just as much as we all do. They just, I mean, I've been thinking like some people we got to forgive like not hold grudges and stuff like that. One thing I would tell everybody back home is that if God is calling you to do something and you feel very strongly about doing something, to never let people change your mind about that. We're in a different country, people speak a different language, but um, we're still able to like build relationships with people and share God's love. And I, I've really just been thinking like at home, like we're able to speak the same language as everybody and in our culture, so there's really no excuse for, uh, at least me, I think, not to go out and um, share the gospel and like share my testimony with people because it's so much easier when you can speak the same language. And uh, I, I think that's something I really want to try doing more is kind of put myself out there and be able to, to share my testimony and share the gospel with other people. It's such a privilege to see how God works um, in their lives and to celebrate that um, and just to see the way that he changes hearts. And that kind of leads us into uh, the next four or the next three verses of Isaiah, kind of this final piece. And uh, before we look at that even deeper, I want to keep in mind that God has given us a story. He's given us this story to share uh, just as these people from Costa Rica shared what God was doing there. And I'm going to read uh, four through six again here in Isaiah. It says this, And in that day, that same day of restoration, you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." See, God has given us this story. Each and every one of us have this story of what God has done in our lives. 
right? We all have the same overarching story of the great thing that God has done in his redemption of our souls and his sacrifice of his son, Jesus, on the cross. But we each have an individual and personal way that that has come to be realized in our own lives. And we each have our own testimony and witness about what God has done for us and how he's connected to us and interceded for us. What I love about this is I want to go to, quickly to Joshua. because I think this ties in so well. Check it out with me. It says, And Joshua said to them, Pass before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each one of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in a time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan will cut, were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it was passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So here's what's happening. Is that the nation of Israel had to take the Ark of the Covenant and they cross this big river, the, the River of Jordan. And to do that, God did a miracle. And he parted the waters of the river so that they could walk across on dry land. And that's where we're picking it up in verse 5 right here. And after they do that, God says, okay, now go back, gather up these stones, make this big pile of stones as a memorial of what I did here. And then you'll notice, he says, so that when your children see them, you can tell them this is what God did. He cut off the waters. He did this miracle. He did something, God did something, and he wanted the nation of Israel to pass down the story for generations. Like over and over and over again. He wanted that story to continually be passed down through generations, through this memorial and through the telling, the story of what God did. What I want to tell you this morning, friends, is the miracle of what God has done in your life the miracle of him bringing you out of darkness and into light, the miracle of him bringing you out of sin and into righteousness through Christ, that is a far greater miracle than him parting the waters of a river. And the miracle of the parting of the waters of the river Jordan were passed down to us and we're reading it today. But the miracle of what he has done in your life is so much bigger than that. And he wanted that story passed down for generations. Think about what he wants you to do with the story of what he has done in your life individually. If you look at back at Isaiah, he says, make his deeds known among the peoples or the Gentiles. Let it be made known in all the earth. He has given us a story. He has blessed and changed our lives for our own benefit. And then he wants us to take it and he wants us to make that known to everyone we come in contact with. The only question that's left then is, will you tell your story? Will you tell the story of what God is doing and has done in your life? There's a couple things that I think go along with this. And the first is that it's natural to talk about what we love. It's natural to talk about what we love. I think sometimes when we say, share the gospel, talk about uh, Jesus, tell people what he's done for you, like we get nervous, and we start to like tense up, and we start to have these like hesitations, and I want to break through some of those. 
I think it's important to know that it is natural to talk about what we love because, for example, I can stand up here this morning and I can tell you all about Ohio State football. They start in six days. I'm really excited for the season. They got a new, young, bright head coach. They got a great athletic quarterback from Georgia that's going to be taking the reins. J.K. Dobbins is seasoned. He's a great running back. He's experienced. He's going to lead the team and give that quarterback time to develop and the O-line to get their, their gusto behind them, right? The defense is good. We return 8 of 11 starters. Our schedule is, is fairly easy at the front end, but challenging enough at the back end that our, our resume is going to look good to let us into the playoffs. And I can just go on and on and on. I could tell you way more about that because that's my team. I love my team. And you don't have to, you don't have to like work that out of me. You don't have to pry that out of me. If you start talking about Ohio State football, okay, let's go. Like you better be in it for an hour or two. Because I love my team and it's natural and it's easy for me to talk about it. Or like take, for example, one of my favorite restaurants is Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, you're saying Waffle House. But man, like me and, and a lot of the kids, like we love going to Waffle House. It's open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. There is never a point in your life where you can't go get a waffle from Waffle House. And that's a beautiful thing, right? And I don't care that it smells like a gas station. Like, it's just kind of the whole experience. And you go up and you can't, listen, you can't go in the daytime, guys. You got to go in the AM, like 11 AM or later. And you get your waffle and you've just been craving it. And man, it tastes so good. And I can advocate for that. And I can tell you how some of the things that you might think are negatives are actually a part of the experience. And I can tell you how great Waffle House is because I love Waffle House. Like, that's one of my favorite places to go. And it's natural. And I think sometimes we get bogged down with the gospel because the devil sells us some lies. And I think one of those things is that every time we share, it has to be theological. If you look at a lot of these studies that, that people do about Christians and sharing their faith, one of the things they're going to tell you most often is that something that hinders people from sharing is that they're worried that they won't have all the answers or be able to get everything exactly right or know exactly what to say. And yeah, like we got to share the gospel, guys. We got to tell people what Jesus did and how he died and rose again and, and sin to life. We got to give them that whole story sometimes. But sometimes all you have to do is tell them what he's done for you and how you've experienced him. And there's a reason, guys, that statistically, as much as statistics are worth, new Christians are the ones that share their faith the most. People who know the least theological knowledge are the ones who share their faith the most. Because they don't get bogged down thinking, oh gosh, how am I going to answer this question? They're like that blind man in John 8 that Pastor Mike talked about at the beginning of the year or the beginning of summer who said, you know what? I don't know much about this Jesus guy. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but all I know is I was blind and now I can see. All you need to tell people is, look, I was blind and I can see. I was lost and now I'm not. Here's what God has done for me. And I guarantee you, you know all the answers about that because it's your story. It's your life. Tell people what God is doing. The second thing I want to make sure we get out of the way is I want to make sure you don't devalue the story of what God has done for you. Because unfortunately, we do this sometimes. And unfortunately, in Christian circles, sometimes we put certain stories and certain types of stories on a pedestal above other types. Right, and we say, man, like, this person's got a testimony. Man, they've overcome addiction. They've been to prison and got saved there. They have this dramatic 
like entertaining story that you just like latch onto and that you're like, oh my goodness, look at what God has done in the life of this person. Like that's a testimony. That's someone who needs to share their testimony. But me, man, like I don't have anything special like that. Like I've just been faithfully serving Christ. That's not, not as important. That's not going to connect with as many people. That's not as entertaining. Like, why would I share that? Like, that's, that's the person who should share. Is the person who has this big, dramatic story. And let me tell you again, guys, the miracle of what God does in the life of someone who's overcome various obstacles is just as great as the miracle of what God has done in the life of the person who's been faithfully serving him for a number of years without those major struggles. It's still death to life. There's no difference. They're the same miracle, and they're beautiful. Don't devalue it. And see, we did, we, t- we did this poll earlier. We talked about the different types of stories that people like in movies. And what you'll notice is that all of them got votes. All of them got votes. What I want you to see is that different types of stories connect to different people. Yeah, a lot of people like action and adventure, right? There's going to be a lot of people who connect to those big dramatic stories, but over half of the rest of the group doesn't connect to that. And they might hear that big dramatic testimony, and that might not soften their hearts, and that might not be the avenue in which they come to know God. But it's someone else's story that does. Because we all connect to different things and we all have different experience in life that are oftentimes similar to other people's and it takes hearing that story for us to come and to experience God in a meaningful way. Don't devalue your story because they all have value. And what's going to be great is when we do this again in the second service, some of those that are high in here are going to be low in there because, again, there's this diversity of what's going to connect with people. And God wants to use your story whether you think it can be used or not. So will you tell it? I want to end with this. This is from Acts 1, verse 8. And this is right before, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. And he's speaking to his disciples. And this is the last thing he says to them. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Two things. One, you have that same Holy Spirit. You have that same power assisting you as you go out and as you make him known. And secondly, they were to be his witnesses. And a witness is someone who has seen something or experienced something and tells people about it. You have seen God. You have experienced God if you are here and you have a relationship with him today. And he wants you in the same way he called them to be his witnesses. He wants you to be his witness. My challenge is you to tell that story, to make him known. We get to end our service in a pretty cool way. Um, We have a student recently who's experienced these things and who wants to make God known and who wants to get baptized and share his testimony. He's going to get baptized in the end of our second service. Uh, But we're going to show you his testimony, his video, uh, as a way to just kind of encourage you, be an example for you of what it looks like to share a story and uh, end on a celebratory note. Hi, everybody. I'm Jovan. My life growing up was like... um... It wasn't that great because my mom got divorced and she started choosing her husband, my stepdad, 
over her kids. So really, like she she was going back and forth in jail, and then that's the only home that, she, that the jail would let her out to. And then, but they said I wasn't allowed there, so I that's why I live with Rachel. When my brother went to jail, I couldn't go to school um, for like the because my mom had pulled me out of school. How I start coming to church? Um, Rachel, Remy's mom, my mom, my new mom, and um, Michael's mom. Her name is Rachel. That's my mom too. <laughs> I got two moms, <laughs> and um, they just talked to me and like really pushed me through the hard times of my life, and they worked step by step with me. And um, yeah, then just one day, we Remy was. Remy and his mom was taking me and Michael to church, and then it was my first day. I was kind of shy. I was like, I was kind of not—I wouldn't say scared, but like just nervous on the new people I would meet. And then it now it's just like eh, they're not that bad. <laughs> when I got saved, it started off with devotes, and then after devotes, um, me and Joe went to McDonald's. Joe prayed for me, and he walked me through what to say and. When I opened my eyes, I just felt like, like everything got brighter, you know? Like I just looked at life differently after that moment. I always knew that there was a God and like, I believed in him. I never, you know, have no doubts in believing him. But like now I just, it just makes everything clear. Like I know like, you know, why we're here, why every, like everything is, you know, made for a reason. So my lifestyle was, um, you know, just, making bad decisions in my life. And now, you know, I don't really see that for me. I've, I have a, like, I feel like I see a brighter future for me since I've followed Jesus, like get, got closer to Jesus, you know? Like when I leave here, I always wanna come back. I don't wanna really leave this place. <laughs> Some of the things God has done for me was put me in a better home, um, you know, and just find better friends to end to look up to. Just to think about like him dying for us is just so amazing. Like, you know, he died for us and stuff. Jesus has saved me. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about, Jesus Christ, our church, or anything else, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. We'd love to hear from you.